This is the Capness HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Capness. Hello, and welcome to Capness HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Capness. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash CabinetsHR. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Our guest today is Heather Matteson. Heather, are you ready to be great today? Yes, always. Heather brings over 15 years of experience in product management, marketing, and IT to Intel and holds a master's degree in marketing from the Kellogg School of Management. She has been PNP certified for over 12 years, has won recognition awards for roles in software product launches and program management at several firms. Most recently, Heather joined the Global Diversity and Inclusion Team at Intel Corporation as a University Partnerships Manager. There she drives partnerships with some of Intel's education partners, such as Georgia Tech and six historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, and manages a college student mentoring program. Prior to Intel, Heather held management, management roles at Ticketmaster and Amadex, a patient portal startup, and managed the product launch and software product management processes for multi-million dollar clients. Heather is also a certified integral coach and certified Vital Smarts Crucial Conversations client trainer and enjoys volunteering for teams and women's organizations. She is a member of a book club that has lasted nearly a, dec- nearly a decade, and her favorite foods are bacon, vegan cupcakes, and other vegan gluten-free treats. Heather, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me. So what's keeping Heather busy these days? You have a lot on your plate. How are you prioritizing all this? Well, I've just recently obtained my coaching certification, so I'm now a certified integral coach. And also, too, we are still ramping up our partnerships and our relationships with some of the universities with which we partner at at Intel. And so that's been very exciting. So, Heather, talk about what a product manager does and how that role can help improve a company. Sure. A product manager's job is to take a look at all of the features that are wanted by a client and help the business team and the development team organize all of those features into a release. Our core job is to understand what the customer wants and what makes the customer happy. And then to compare that against the market information to understand from a competitive standpoint, looking at competition, what features will help our business to stand out and then how to connect those features and the products we want to release, how do we make sure that's connected to the company's vision? So making sure that the products that we release are connected to the company's vision, making the customer happy, and looking at the competition to make sure that our products can stand out and that we have a competitive advantage. So those are some of the things that a product manager does. When you recommend for founders to bring on a product manager? Like employee six, employee seven, right off the bat. No, what's your advice on that? The product, ma- the the initial product manager in a startup is typically a product number uh, is 
employee number two or three, actually. And that person typically wears many hats. That person may, uh, a product manager role may grow out of a business development role or a sales role. Often with a startup, the founder is the person that's most knowledgeable of the product and the product's needs and is connecting with the customers. So often it's the founder. The founder is the uh, de facto product manager because they're making the decisions on what features will go into the product right away. Yes. Heather, so how do the uh, product manager and CTO work together? Sure. The product manager, the product manager's role is main, mainly marketing and to understand the technology. So the, the product manager understands the customer and understands the market and connects those elements and forces to the company's vision. And then the product manager uses technology to accomplish those objectives. The CTO's objectives are around, from a technology standpoint, are to maximize the resources that the company has available and to make sure to, to actually partner with the product manager to understand what will give us an edge or competitive advantage in the market by using certain technologies. That edge might be being lowest cost. So the product manager and the CTO work together to, to accomplish that goal. How can we be the, at the lowest cost? Or it could be, how can we be the most innovative? That means the CTO will go and try to find, try to find the latest technology or newer technology that will give an edge. Or a partnership could be a partnership uh, from a technology standpoint that gives the, the company an edge. Thank you. Heather, how can we increase the number of companies not only recruiting at HBCUs, but actually hiring people from HBCUs? I think a lot of companies are recruiting there, but I'm not too sure if they're actually hiring, you know, like they should be. Yes. What you're getting at, Jason, is a key part of the equation uh, for inclusion, inclusion and diversity. The key part there is you can bring employees into an organization but that doesn't mean that they'll be happy and want to stay. So what I would say is most of those companies are recruiting. They probably are recruiting from the historically black colleges and universities, but they may not have programs or communities that help the students from those schools to feel comfortable and to thrive and to grow and get their promotions and to uh, help contribute to the communities at those work environments. Heather, can you tell, you, tell us the six HBCUs that you're partner with and how, how exactly does that partnership work? What's involved with that? Sure, sure. Oh, well, so there's North Carolina A&T, Morgan State University, Howard University, Tuskegee University, Florida A&M University, and Prairie View University. So those are the schools. And what we did is we were looking at our company's goals for diversity and inclusion. And one of the, one of the facts out there is that on average, 27% of all African-American STEM students graduate from historically black colleges and universities. So those schools are graduating a major percentage of all of the STEM grads out there uh, uh, who are African-American. So we thought that this was a rich pool 
of talent that we should explore. And so the partnership, the way it works is we give scholarships to students, and as well, we sponsor student programs on campus. And those student programs might be mentoring, tutoring, travel stipends to go to student conferences and more. And so we, we wanted to create a rich environment for leadership and professional development for the students and as well partner with the schools uh, to provide curriculum, to, to share curriculum resources, and to provide other resources to the faculty so that we could fully support the school and the students. So Heather, I remember reading this summer, I don't know how true it is, but I remember reading a stat that says of the diverse students that start in STEM in college, like 80% of them don't finish. Is that what you're seeing out there or is that? 80, so repeat that again. What was that? It's like eight, for all, all the diverse students that start a STEM degree, 80% drop out or don't get that degree for one of these. Only 20% actually get in the degree. I, I think that that's a pretty high percentage to say 80% drop out, but there is a high percentage that do drop out. And what we know is that students who don't have mentors or who don't can't have trouble envisioning others who look like them in the workplace, they have a hard time uh, believing that they'll be happy in that role. And so when the going gets tough and those engineering classes get really hard, it's easy to switch. It's a little bit easier to switch. And then often, uh, sometimes, especially if you're a woman or if you're a person of color, you may get pressure even from the professors, from family members, from friends to do something easier. And we see that quite often. And the way we try to uh, combat that is through mentorship, providing mentoring and providing uh, buddies to some of those students, offering that, as well as introducing them to um, a technology and the culture at Intel so that they can envision a place where they may land after they graduate. That's great. Heather, from your point of view, what makes a successful product launch? Yes, and, and Jason, I'm providing these, this information about Intel. I did want to uh, also let you know these are my opinions. Um, yeah. They're not the opinions of Intel. And so with that, I'll, I'll answer this question. What makes a successful product launch? That is a really great question. What I found is that it's perspiration and also luck, <laughs> hard work and a little bit of luck. There are some things that are within your control. So what I always recommend is perform the process as well as you can. The process of connecting, make sure you connect with your customers and that you understand as well as possible what their needs and wants are. Be, have an open and honest conversation of, with your business and your development team about what you can accomplish and when and set reasonable expectations with your customer. So setting expectations with your customers, setting expectations with your business and being and doing good. We call it stakeholder management. That's very critical. The other piece is understand the competition as well as possible. So doing the research, there's nothing to replace plain old research, even if it's through Google, to understand your competition and make sure you have a competitive advantage. So without a competitive advantage, without an edge, it will be hard for your product to stand out. And so I would say the perspiration is in the planning and the, uh, the upfront work required to make sure that that product is a success. The execution of it has to happen, but without some of that planning, 
it the the product launch can fall flat. So I'd say focus on doing the the upfront work well and planning for that product launch and and then the rest is luck. Your 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 comp- competition could release a new product at the same time as yours and could be bad luck. There were some there were some companies and uh, movie producers releasing new movies, new products at the same time as a uh, 9/11 for example or some major major event ha- happening in the United States. That's bad luck. There's not much you can do about that, but you can affect the perspiration portion. Hey, the next, can you talk about a time you were, you were successful in the past, what you learned from your success or, or what our listeners can take from this? Yes, yes. Well, I'm, you mentioned, I'd mentioned that I'm a certified life coach and I had just gotten my life coaching certification and the following weekend, I took a nap. I was at home and I took a nap. And that may sound small, sound, but for me, it was a big win because for me, the way I define success is how I go about my life. It's not just what I can accomplish. It's going about my life in a way where I'm taking care of myself and I'm feeling very present and showing up for my family and for the people I work with, for the students and the schools that I support and being fully present to life. So it's not going through life tired or angry or hurt. It's being engaging with the people that you're with. And it's about how I go about my life as more so than what I can accomplish. And when I focus on the how, the what seems to take care of itself. And for me, that's success. Yes, I think people underestimate the power of a good nap. (laughs) Yes. I do too. I think they're underrated and I'm surprised at myself because when I was little, I had so much energy. I didn't want to take a nap. I never did. <laughs> hey, the next question, can you talk about how you failed in the past, what you learned from this and what we can take away from this? Yes. Yes. Pulling on this theme of success being about how you go about your life more so than what you accomplish. Years ago, I was on a product launch. I was a product manager for a new product at my company. And the issue that occurred was I I got onto this project. I was a fresh MBA grad and I learned that the competition, the competitive analysis had not been done for this project. And I was worried about that because from what I could see, we were behind the market. We were behind our competitors and we were about to release a product that might not have much success in the market. And so then what I proceeded to do after um, having some conversations internally and finding out that we had already committed to this course of action, I committed to burn. I, I proceeded to burn myself out. I burned myself out completely. I was working 12, 15 hour days every day, including the weekends. I, my, I wasn't really available for my family. And right then I realized I was losing and I was not successful. I realized that I was unhappy. I hadn't, uh, I wasn't cooking myself healthy meals, hadn't had a healthy meal in, in weeks. I wasn't really connecting with my family. I hadn't been outside in weeks or days or weeks in terms of just to, to have a breath of fresh air. And I wasn't myself. I wasn't being myself. And not only that, I realized as a woman, as a single woman, I, have, I, I had, there was a disadvantage. 
there, most of the folks on my team were men who were married. And I could envision that when they got home, someone had gotten the mail, someone had gotten groceries, someone had put their children to bed, someone had cooked, someone had taken care of the house. The house was maybe reasonably clean. This is what I was envisioning. And for me as a single person, not just as a single woman, as a person who's single, I was trying to do all of that on my own and as well work the same hours that my married or partnered colleagues were. And I realized I, this was a losing battle. And so for me, that's how I define not being successful. It's really being unhappy and going about my life in a way where I'm just a zombie and I'm not myself and I'm not really available emotionally to my friends, my family, or even to myself. So for, as a product manager, do you use the same process regardless of what the product is or, that, or does that change some depending on what the product is? It does, it does change. It depends on the industry you're in as well. So for example, in some, indus- in some industries, you might be working for a company that is the market leader, market leader, 70, 80% market share. Or you might be working in an industry where everyone, all of the market players have 15, 20% market share and you're fighting, fighting, fighting for that market share, and there's constant product releases. So, for example, the difference is between, let's say, Rice Krispies, uh, Kellogg's Rice Krispies, the cereal market, the the market for um, breakfast cereal, extremely competitive, very low margins in some of the in some cases, versus the market for, uh, let's say, uh, luxury vehicles. That is a very different business. And so the way you approach your competitive analysis, the way you approach your customers, a high touch versus a very high touch versus maybe a low touch where you're working with the public versus private clients. All of those things change what you do and how you go about a product launch. Heather, can you tell us about someone who's helped you in the past and how they helped you? Yes. My mother helped me. I have alopecia areata. I also, I volunteer also for Bald Girls Do Lunch, uh, which is uh, a nonprofit focused on uh, empowerment uh, for people who have alopecia. But uh, when I first learned that I had this autoimmune disease, I was in shock. And I went through many of the phases of shock and fear and anger and sadness. As a woman, as a single woman, one of the issues was you don't feel beautiful. You're not sure if you'll be desirable as a woman. I was going through all of these, these feelings. When I talked to my mother, my mother said, Heather, she was very practical. Remember, it's just hair. You have the rest of your life. This doesn't define you. Your hair doesn't define you. And when she said that, I, it, I, it forced me to separate this idea of hair from who I was. And it allowed me to move forward and redefine who I was and how I felt about myself as a person who would be bald. And so my mother has been one of the biggest supporters for me. She's always been in my corner. And so she's one of the people that I would say has been most inspiring. Next, tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. Like, you know, your close family knows, close friends, but most people who see day to day don't know this about you. That's a great question. Most people would know that I used to play varsity volleyball and you could not part me from the volleyball court. I played from junior high, high school, and in college, varsity volleyball, division two, Bentley College. Woohoo! So 
The thing you also might not know, though, is I used to have a 30-inch vertical. And in spite of the fact that I am five foot one, I used to have some lead. So I played outside attacker. I was not the setter. <laughs> so you, 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 do you still play once in a while? I haven't played in a long time. After college, I stopped playing, but I still, I still love it. It's still in my heart. Heather, I understand you have something for our listeners. Yes. As I had mentioned, I am starting a new uh, business And so I wanted to offer 20% off to coaching clients for the first three coaching sessions for those who sign up with me in 2018 uh, by uh, August 2018. Thank you. That's going to be very valuable for the listeners. Heather, can you provide your social media links so people can reach out to you? Yes. You can hit me on Twitter at bookfoodie. That's the Twitter handle. And then that's the main way to reach out to me. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. Thank you. Heather, we'll come to the end of our talk. Can we provide the listeners any last minute advice and wisdom on any subject you'd like to cover? Yes. I'd say focus on how you're going about your life. When you go to sleep at night or when you wake up every day, check in with yourself. Are you happy? And if not, well, how are you feeling and what are those feelings? And knowing thyself is the key to building a happy life. How are you feeling about it? And then once you know how you feel, then our natural human inclination is to understand maybe what can I do about it? And so that's what I would offer. Know thyself and check in with yourself on how happy you are and don't let Life's challenges are life's daily challenges get to you. Heather, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy person, doing a lot of great things. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. So listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again, and be great every day.